He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Thanks for joining me, Laura Giles, for another episode of Let It Go Now, where we talk about letting go of the things that stand in the way of a juicy, authentic life. So we all want that, right? So every now and then, I have a guest speaker, and today it's Heather Younger. And Heather is a two-time best-selling author. She holds a law degree and is the CEO of Employee Fanatics, a consulting and training firm that helps corporations create and maintain caring leadership. And when we were little kids, we lived across the street from each other. How are you, Heather? I'm doing great. So great to see you. (laughs) You too. Thanks so much for being here. So when we were little, (laughs) my siblings and I were feral, and we used to run around barefooted everywhere. But I remember if um, Heather stepped outside barefooted, her mom was like a hawk, and I'd hear her mom saying, Heather, get in here, get some shoes on. So we had a really different, I mean, it was so cool because our neighborhood was so diverse, but everybody was kind of different in their own ways, but we all kind of came together as a community. And that's kind of how I remember um, things when we were little. So it's really nice to touch base with you and see you again. Thank you so much. It's it's great to be here. Really. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to speak to you. Like after all these, all these years, I remember first touching base with Lisa, you know, it's just crazy to... Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's good. It's good to see you. Always good to see you. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that I remember when we were little talking about reminiscing (laughs) is that, I don't know if you remember this, but um, one day that you and Lisa were downstairs with a tape recorder and um, you guys were playing newscaster. And it's kind of funny because you're both in communications in one way or another now. So did you have any idea um, that your path would lead here? Was that something that you always wanted to do? You know, I did. I don't think I knew then. I think way back when I wanted to be a singer, like when I was little, little, little. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a singer. And then, um, then when I was about, I don't know, like eight or something, my grandmother started pushing me to be like, you're going to go to law school, you're going to go to law school, you're going to go to law school. And then I remember, I can't remember if I was like between 12 and 14. I can't remember exactly, but, but, um, I might've been younger than that. I remember seeing, uh, Reverend Jackson, Jesse Jackson, actually like speaking at some event. And I remember like watching the crowd, like being completely like full on, like just pasted on whatever, every word he said. And I was like, wow, like one day I want to be doing that. Like, it just looks so amazing that he could ha- share a message. I don't even remember what the message was, by the way, it was just the fact that it was happening. Uh, he was, um, and then there was everybody was just kind of like listening and he was giving powerful messages and everybody was like, you could just see they're really in it. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I don't remember. It was a pretty young age that I remember seeing that. So that's, that's cool. I just remember back just all the way back then. And and while I can't necessarily say I agree with everything that he says or has said over the years, the idea of what, like just again, the impact he had 
uh, the passion that he exhibited and how folks really kind of hung on the word and, and really took it in. And I think, you know, went different directions in their life because of it was really, it showed me like, wow, the power of words, whether written or verbal was kind of mm-hmm. uh, powerful. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Now did um, another thing I remember when we were little is that you were the only Jewish person that I knew. I didn't know anything about being Jewish. Um, I don't know if you remember this either. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, you had bagos. We called them bagos because I didn't know there were bagels. I'd never seen one before. never heard of that. Um, and all I knew about being Jewish was Hanukkah and bagels. So <laughs> was, was that um, because it's it's different, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of an outlier thing, not mainstream. Was that an obstacle to to getting where you are now? Oh, gosh. No, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's an obstacle. I mean, um, looking like me and having that background was definitely a, even more unique than I think than, than we're letting on to right now. <laughs> but um, uh, Because right now, probably people are only hearing me and not seeing me. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm a, um, my mom is white and Jewish, and my dad is black and uh, was black a Christian, and so, um, and then there was just a lot of rejection on my mom's side of the family, both my father and I, because of the color of our skin. And so I would say, it wasn't an obstacle. My that faith background back then was not an obstacle for me. It was more an obstacle for others that are inside my family. Um, and then I decided at, at some point, we, I have four children now. My husband's a devout Catholic. And so probably, um, I want to say we were, was it my son was little, really little. And I said, you know, I think I want to, I'm, I'm ready to kind of actually be more aligned with what my family is. I'm going to be, I want to have that same faith journey. I want to be, I'm going to have that sense of belonging and welcome inside my family. And I have a choice to create that. So I decided to convert at that point. Um, and so then again, it wasn't, uh, it ended up being not an obstacle either way, but for me, it was an opportunity. And I always see like anything that has kind of been like, maybe didn't, didn't go exactly how I wanted to go, whatever it was in life. I've always seen the other side of it to say, okay, well, how is this an opportunity for me? How can I mm-hmm. overcome this or advance over it? And, and so the good thing about even just that kind of narrow-mindedness or inside my own family is that it produced in me a desire to um, be more open when trying to understand someone else's position. Um, So I'm not always having to win. I'm actually more Mm -hmm. curious and more willing, wanting, wanting and seeking to really dive deeper into someone else's life and what their needs are. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Well, I love that you said that it wasn't a problem for you because I had a lot of things in, in my background too that that really weren't a problem for me, but other people try to make it my problem. And I think that's a really good mindset because we all have those in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's always, I always say there's like in one way or another, we've all felt excluded. It doesn't really matter if it was racially. There's just some reason like we weren't trying to get on the sports team and we couldn't get on and we were or we got on the team, but we sat on the bench or like, there's all these different things where it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm a part of this thing. I feel like I'm an outsider. And I think many of us have had that in our lives since mine might've been more accentuated. Uh, but again, I looked at it as a, instead of like going about things being like mean or mad or whatever, I looked at it as an opportunity to be more of the thing I sought. So I sought more inclusion. So I am more inclusive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing that, that you do is, is just come out and say it, <laughs> you know, you're just vulnerable with it and share the, the maybe not so bright parts of it. And I think that's humanizing and, and uh, connecting as well. But a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people hide that. And can you say something about a little bit about 
why you chose to do that? I think there's plenty I have still hidden in my life. So don't get me wrong. I've been very strategic about what I released or what I've shared. And it's partly to protect others and partly because I'm not sure people can handle the whole truth. So I give them what I give them. Uh, but I think giving what I gave was um, and is is still a pervasive thing in our world. Just this idea of others and uh, not having the courage to allow others or different inside of a circle and not being uh, open enough to to release our need to control everything. And that's where that like vulnerability comes in because it's like I, I, I'm going to put it out there. People are going to view it one way or another. Some people may see me trying to be a victim. Some people may be like, wow, inspired by it. I really can't control that. I I try to make the narrative as positive as possible. But in the end, there is pain and the pain cannot be hidden from. Yeah. You speak with a lot of um, authority and uh, confidence. And I know you're firstborn and only. (laughs) I only, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that typically comes with being firstborn or only. Is that where it came from for you or did you have to fight for that? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the, yep, it's definitely the firstborn. It's being in that kind of a, in lots of bumpy roads as an only child and having to kind of decipher and become an adult really quickly inside of the messiness. And I also had um, my mother and my grandmother would always talk to me about language and just, they would correct me, would correct words I'd say incorrectly. Um, So I think that's the reason why how I talk is a lot about my mother and my grandmother as well. So it's a combination mm-hmm. of a lot of things. Uh, I would say I've been super intentional as well. So I think that helps. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to be, you really have, I mean, you have to be, and I, it's like, a, it's kind of funny because I'm intentional, but I'm also intentionally, you, you caught on on that. I'm intentionally vulnerable too. I'm intentionally real. I'm intentionally grounded as well. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a part of living authentically is, is being intentional, being present and and choosing your path forward. And one of the things you say in your book is about starting leadership with leading yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a reflection of that. Um, but what do you mean by leading yourself? I mean, I think it's, it's definitely multifaceted. And I would have to say that wasn't just a gut thing. That's a research thing. Like that was me talking to many, many leaders and starting to boil down what I was hearing from them and also hearing from employees on all these surveys and listening sessions of like at, at work, you know, what are, what is it that they need? And so, um, the, and, and what is it that they do? Like the ones who are more, the ones we think of as more caring leaders, the ones we never forget, because every single one listening right now has those managers who like always made them feel a certain way. They ne- might not have called them leader, but they followed them because they made them feel a certain way, a positive way in most cases. So I think that leading ourselves really means that we we have to kind of, we can't give from an empty cup. We have to we have to fill ourselves up first you know, with self-care, with more, with more, you know, ramping up our leadership skills, making sure we have a good network of people, like surrounding ourselves with people who are a good support system who call us in the carpet when we're going off the rails, but also there to support us when they see us doing well. Um, and so there's a lot of different components to, I think, self-leadership, but I think what happens is particularly with people, let's say just like me, like for me, I, I lead, lead like with care or with heart and like, it's kind of, it is on my shoulder and I just walk around with it. Uh, but there are, but there are times where I overdo that and I'm completely fatigued. So the compassion fatigue sets in. And so I have to make sure that I kind of self-center, like I, I, I become more aware of how I'm feeling before it goes too far. And then I'm like angry at everybody around me and I'm, feeling resentful because I'm getting so much right. And that can happen. And it has happened in the past. 
So self-leadership calls for us to center ourselves, to make sure that we're all together before we try to go and lead a whole bunch of other people in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned about the team because I, I think that nobody's ever alone. You know, we do do it mm-hmm. together. And it does help to have somebody who has been there for you. So who's, who's been that person for you? Mm-hmm. I would say in these last, you know, many years, probably the last, you know, 17 years, I guess it'd be my faith has been a big one. And so I am, uh, again, faith centered. So for me, God is a a sense of direction for me. Um, My husband is here and there on different topics. Uh, Interestingly enough, my kids lead me a lot. So my kids, interestingly enough, because I do share with them and they're really intelligent. (laughs) So they'll like give me like little bits of things or I'll watch them and see what they're doing. I'm like, oh. Like that's something I could take on. So I don't know. I just, and I, I, I do have, um, like now I hired a business coach. It's like the first time in many, many, many years that I did that. I did it purposely because I was like, listen, I know me, myself, from my business perspective, I can only see as far as I can see. Like I need someone else to see in different directions. And so I've been just trying to be, again, self-leadership, been really trying to be more intelligent about that and say, okay, I need more people around me. So I would say I've had more informal mentors over my life. And then I'm just trying to be more intentional about bringing other people in now to help me with my, like expand my purview, I guess. I love that you mentioned your kids because I think that people think that, you know, it has to be somebody who's older than you and knows more mm-hmm. than you. Yeah. I think I find that you can learn from anybody and kids are great. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have four of them ages uh, 12, 15, 17 and 19. And, and I remember that I wrote my first book, my daughter, my only daughter, she said, um, I was wrote it. And I want to say within like a month, she's like, okay, mom, like, move on to the next now. Like it was basically like, I'm, I don't want to hear about this other one, like move on to the next. And it was, it was just kind of funny because like, don't rest on your laurels, like keep going, like you've got more and you like keep going. And so every time I think of like, I'm sitting here or I'm really too comfortable, I think of just that piece of advice. And I have other things that, that just all my other kids say to me or do. And I'm just like, oh, I got to do more of that. So yeah, it's, 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 um, they're definitely the crew I like to hang out with a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And um, another thing that you said I totally agree with in your book was about having safe spaces, because if, if you don't have a safe space to be yourself, then it's certainly hard to, to lead yourself. Uh, how do how do you go about creating that? Mm. That, was a, that was a really good note, actually. I don't think I made that connection inside the book like you just did, um, saying it just like you did, because I think that's kind of an important point that... Uh, if we aren't, so if we think about safe spaces, safe spaces really is this idea of folks are in your circle, whether you know, I'm mostly leaning in work. So I'm talking mostly at work, but just even if not, like you've got, you know, friends, you've got family and we wonder why, like, why didn't they come talk to me? And it's less about them and more about you. So do, did you already do all the hard work to create a sense of trust, a sense of trust, no matter what? was presented to you um did you were you there for them when they when you said you'd be there for them when you do they feel like do they sense you have their back even when they've made mistakes are you judging them all the time by your words and your actions um or are they safe to kind of go outside sometimes and not always be you know perfect in the moment and do you help them kind of work past that in their own mind by asking questions, by giving them grace. And I think that idea of like, you can't, all the things I just said, you can't even figure out how to do that for someone. If you're not giving your own self grace, if you aren't, so all the things you just, you just flip it on its head. You can't do that unless you do that for yourself first. So 
that connection is good. Like, are you okay with yourself? Are you giving yourself, um, are you forgiving yourself your transgressions? Like, are you the things you might do that aren't in your mind perfect and exactly how you envision them? Are you saying, okay, let's think about it another way. Um, let's, let's figure out a way around it or let's go to, to get some, some help from someone else. So, uh, because then those people won't even seek out a space with you because if they can't feel that for themselves, they're not going to feel it for you. So it's, there's, but it does mostly have to do with looking, um, internally to say, what am I doing first for me? Then what am I doing next for them? So safety is, a is a, is in most cases an outward center thing. Uh, there is something that we have to do with it because again, it is we have to figure out what we do. So even that team member or even that family member, if they haven't felt the kind of created the safety in their minds about who they are and how they identify and all those things, it is going to be harder to feel safe. But mm-hmm. we can set the context that let them know that they can show up any way they need to, not over and over and over again if it's bad. For example. I'm beating somebody like I'm someone who's I'm abusive. I'm abusive. I'm abusive. I can't keep saying this 5,000 times to somebody. And for me, and, and they, and then for me to, at some point, I'm going to say, I heard you the first time. And I, and I want you to know that like, we're not perfect. And maybe you should go get help. Right. I heard you the second time. And did you go get that help? Cause I want to make sure that you got that. I gave you the number, you know, like, so right. You get to the point and it get to the point where it's like the fifth time and they're coming to you with that same, let's say admission confession, whatever you want to call it. And now it's like, okay, I want, I, I like we talked to multiple times. I wanted you to get to this place where you were better, whatever that is. I'm giving that example of being like someone who's like abusive or and they come to you and they confess it and, right, and they're thinking it's safe. And at some point you just have to say, you know, okay, I was there for you to begin with. And now it's time for you to make a decision. You have to make a decision. I'm not judging you here. I am telling you I'm exercising good judgment as you should. And what that means is you shouldn't act in that particular way. I think you know this because you keep coming to me about it. So what are you going to do now to take that next step? So I think there's, I always like to tell people that they're like with caring leadership, but there is a reconciliation. There is a balance. I, I even hate this word balance, but there's kind of like this give and take that says, I care deeply. I want to hear, I want to empathize. I want to lean in. And at the same time, you, I'm setting a clear expectations or you have to be accountable for your behaviors on the other side, whoever that person is. Right. And that is still care. That is still care. Because you can only let the grace go so far. You have to, you, you got to yeah. kind of draw a line at some point. Yeah. That's, that's a good point because I think a lot of people think that care means I have to agree with everything you say. And it, it's absolutely not. Mm-mm. No, no. I think it's like squishy, touchy, feely issue. It's like, you know, here's, I always, I love to tell people this. I like to, I, I always like to start off like in my talks or anything with this, with like an emotional side, because once you start to let people think, for example, this new book is called The Art of Active Listening. And it's, I always ask people now, what does it feel like when someone listens to you? Okay. And I want you to give me the words of what they, what that feels like. And I'm usually always like understood, happy, uh, valued, important, powerful, like all these different words. And it's like, yeah, those are emotions. So the touchy feely thing that you think isn't like real, even if you're like some big old, you know, strong person and I'm like, right. Uh, and you think you have some kind of big barrier around you. In the end, your positive memories in your life were related to positive emotions that someone's behaviors created in you, a parent, a teacher or whatever. Right. And it made you want to do more and be more on their behalf because they did that for you. And so now put yourself in those, that same shoe, wherever you're at, if you're in a, a position of authority, which most of us are once in one shape or form, like we're in vision authority, 
where we are the people that are in the crosswalk. We are the parents in the home. We are the people at the front desk counter at a customer store, like whatever it is, right? We are something. And so there's a level of authority that's imparted upon us in that position. And so what is, what is it that we're going to choose in that moment? Are we going to choose to leave that positive stamp in the mind? Or are we going to choose the opposite? That's really the question. Just as us as yeah. humans, really. Yeah. It's a, it's a choice. It is a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we actually are kind of in the same business. I do it on a personal level where you do it on a corporate level. And um, I think it's something for me, I can feel it. When you walk into a business that has that sort of culture where they they do care, you, you know. So Whole Foods is one of those places for me. Every time mm-hmm. I go to Whole Foods, it's like I'm on like a resort or something. You know, everybody's <laughs> so like, oh, how can I help you? And very friendly. And it, it just feels good to be in there. Which, whereas some places like uh, my cell phone company <laughs> is awful. They do not care. They don't care if they've answered your question. They don't care if you're mm. happy. You know, so I think what what you do is a really, really important thing. Also, especially during COVID, I had a lot of clients who were in hostile workplaces where for the first time ever, I'm helping people get short-term disability because their workplaces are just so tense, which tells me they don't have that caring leadership. So if somebody's in that sort of position where they don't have that and the culture is not there, do you have any suggestions for how they might survive? Well, I mean... (laughs) If it's, if it's a, if it's a culture that doesn't have any, I always say when it comes to change that we have to have an awareness that there's an issue that we have to have desire to change it. And we have to have the stamina to see it through because change doesn't happen overnight. So that's personal. That's, that's, I I believe that that's both personal and organizational. So if that person isn't aware, so let's just say this, if it's someone who you think might be open to a conversation, because here's the thing about corporations, they're just legal entities inside of the walls or on the Zoom sessions, there are people on the other side. So it's the people that need to become aware and they may not be aware. And so if you think there's someone who's receptive on the other end and you can help them become more aware of what like kind of the hole they're leaving for you and maybe even your team members, then be courageous enough to speak up if they are the people that can do that. Not everybody's open to hear the hard things. And you might say, well, I'm going to be courageous because I'm going to do it for me and my team members. And it may mean like I'm not in this job anymore. And those are different. Those are things you have to prepare for. You could be intentional and say, I don't want to have the conversation. I'm just going to leave, uh, which happens a lot, which can be frustrating for a manager because sometimes there's just like this day to day to day to day thing happening and they do get distracted and they're not really looking at all these things. And it can be chaotic for just everyone. And so sometimes just having somebody who cares enough from the bottom up to say, oh, like this thing you did or this thing you're always doing really is setting me back every day. And it's actually causing a lot of anxiety. And I'm not sure you know that, but I just, I thought I should tell you that again, from a place of care and concern and not from a place of like pure on judgment, because we don't know what their intention is. Their intention could be not like to be harmful and they actually might want to show more care. They just don't have necessarily the awareness. Not everybody has a lot of good self-awareness. So I would say if you can have courage in the moment uh, and you feel there's a little bit of an openness, do it. You know, just just have the conversation. Ask for the one-on-one time. <laughs> cool. So what's ahead for you? What what's um what's your next big thing? Well, I mean. I think I'm going to do, my father passed away just uh, in, in this month. So I'm going oh, I'm to sorry. probably, yeah, I'm going to kind of take a little bit more care for myself. I think I do have a book coming out 
next year, the art of active listening. Uh, so it's due September 6th. So like we're handing it over and that at least for a little bit be out of my hands until the editors get to it and want me to do more things. Um, I've got a couple courses coming out on LinkedIn. I've got, you know, there's a lot of good stuff happening, it, you know, from yeah. that external business place, there's a, there's a good stuff happening. And then it's just a matter of, again, exercising good self-leadership. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on, I think, here in these next few months, too. Yeah. And so how can people check that out? Where, where can they find you? Um, I would say the best place to follow me would be LinkedIn. You just go look up Heather Younger. You'll find me. I'm probably going to pop right up. Um, and it's just because it's the place I'm at mostly. And uh, and then I would say other than that, um, HeatherYounger.com is another website you can go to. And it has like a consulting website and all kinds of things there that you can get to. But that would probably be the easiest to, to get awesome. to get to me and follow me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate seeing you again. It's been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is, it's a blessing. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.